So I'm driving late at night, and I'm going about the speed limit, and uh, I see an officer's car on the side of the road. And my first thought is that I'm so grateful for the services that our incident response teams provide. And second is that I should probably go just a, just a couple miles per hour, a bit lower, so I'm sure. So now I'm sure. I go past the car and pulls out behind me, but no lights. Okay, cool. I check. I'm good. I'm sure. And then I remember, I'm about to hit a construction zone, and I have seen the sign, traffic fines double, and I am cheap. So I go a few miles slower again, just to be sure. No lights. Lights. All right, red, white, and blue. I'm not feeling patriotic. Pull to the side of the road. Excuse me, sir. Do you know why I pulled you over? No, no, sir, I do not. Um, do you know how fast you were going? And all of a sudden, I wasn't so sure. See, are you sure? Like, that's a phrase that can bring a little bit of fear and sometimes a little bit of doubt into our minds, right? Uh, sometimes it's with little things, like when you realize you're accidentally so afraid of getting a ticket, you go 12 miles under the speed limit, and the cop's just making sure you're okay. But sometimes it's bigger things in life, right? Let's say you're in a review meeting with your supervisor. Maybe there's a promotion and a raise on the line, but maybe a demotion and a transfer. And then your boss asks you to rate yourself, because that sounds great, to rate yourself on your performance for the last year. So you don't want to sound cocky, but you want that raise. You think that, you know, my performance has been average or satisfactory. And she looks at you and goes, you sure? A little bit of doubt. What about you're going to buy a house, right? You're maybe you're meeting with a realtor, and you're looking at a house, starting to walk around. You're expecting the sales pitch, but then he or she looks at you and goes, you sure? Probably going to feel a little bit of doubt. Or what about this one? Let's say maybe you've been dating somebody for a while. Things are going well. They've met your family. You've met theirs. And then, you know, maybe you tell your sister that you're thinking about proposing. And uh, they look at you and go, well, as long as you're happy, right? That's like a really polite, are you sure? See, are you sure is this phrase that can invite doubt into our minds. Now, I'm a naturally confident person, but no matter who says it, if somebody asks me if I'm sure, I'm going to start like second guessing and triple evaluating whatever we are talking about because I want to be sure, right? Be sure is something with confidence and that's how we want to live. But what about when we ask ourselves that question, am I sure? And what about when we're talking about our faith? My faith's important to me. Um, I believe that God created the world, that he loved it, and he saw that it was broken, and so he didn't want to leave it in a broken state. So he set about a rescue mission that would change the course of history, that allows us to follow Jesus, having a relationship with him that starts and lasts forever. And then I believe that if you have a relationship with Jesus, that actually changes every facet of how you live. It changes your priorities in life. Uh, it changes how you treat people. It changes how you view money. It changes your goals and your hopes and your ambitions. And then, I mean, I'm a pastor. Like, my career and my faith are actually tied together pretty tightly. So, what about when I ask myself, am I sure? Like, I've built my life on this. 
Now, I've got confidence in what I believe, uh, but I've also had some seasons of doubt, too. Like, there's two seasons of my life when I can really think about doubt and faith and questions and, hey, how does this all fit? And the first is when I was 18. Now, I've got an incredible dad, incredible mom, um, and they both taught me and showed me from a really early age what it looked like to love Jesus. And I grew up in the church. Like, I'm so grateful for that. And, like, as I was becoming an adult, I realized that some of what my life was built on was my parents' belief, and I needed to make sure that I believed these things for me. Can you relate? Maybe you've been there. And so I started to ask myself some hard questions. And these were really intellectual and philosophical questions. Like, if I'm going to base my view of God on the Bible, can I trust the Bible? Or maybe if God's good and God's all-powerful, how come this world is so messed up? Or what about science? Like, how does my faith and science fit together? If those sound familiar, I mean, yes, these are some of the questions that we've been covering in our series Search Engine. But I'm not using them for examples just because they're what we've talked about. Like, what we've been talking about are the very things that I had to wrestle with and struggle with and had doubts about. I was talking to God and looking at evidence. See, in that season of doubt, there's three things that really helped me. Facts, friends, and Jesus. I'm a logical processor, head first, heart way second. And so, like, looking at facts really helped me cement my belief in Jesus and in the gospel. But it wasn't just facts, it was also people. Having friends who were peers, but also friends who were mentors, who had gone ahead of me, had wrestled with the same things, and they could say, hey, yeah, I've been there. My faith came out stronger on the other side. That was an encouragement. And also Jesus. Like, the way he meets us in seasons of doubt, like, that can actually change our relationship with him in a really positive way. What I'm so grateful for is that Jesus wasn't intimidated by my seasons of doubt. He's actually used to people asking him hard questions. Uh, one of them was actually one of the 12 apostles. His name's Thomas. Thomas is a guy who's kind of got a reputation for saying what other people might think but wouldn't necessarily say. Um, History has given Thomas this nickname called Doubting Thomas, but like, honestly, that's not in the Bible. Uh, the reputation we have of Thomas is someone who is loyal, who is courageous enough to ask the hard questions. And then there's this, like, one story where he experiences doubt. But, like, yeah, that's the one story we're talking about today. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 20. If you've got your Bibles or smartphones, you're welcome to go there. But while we're doing that, I want to tell you where we're at in this story so far. See, we're picking up our story right after Easter. Um, Jesus has been crucified. He's been buried. He's risen from the grave. And he's spoken to one person, Mary Magdalene. And right now, that's it. And so the apostles, those 12 people that had followed Jesus, learned from him, served with him, they are huddled up in a room, confused and scared. Like, they've built their lives these last three years around this teacher who could be the Messiah, but who's dead. So they're in hiding. So Jesus goes, and he shows up to them. And here's the thing, all of the apostles are in the room except for one guy. That's our boy Thomas. See, we don't know why Thomas wasn't there. Like, maybe he was door dashing at Wingstop. Maybe he was still in line at Duncan. Like, I don't know. Those, those stores are busy right now, too. Um, not bitter. Uh, but we, we don't know why Thomas wasn't there. Like, we, we just don't know. But everyone else is there. And then Jesus shows up. Like, this is their teacher. This is their friend. 
and they watched their hopes and their dreams die with him. And now he's back. I, I don't know what sort of like a party, weird, impromptu gathering that turned into, but I'm sure it would have been incredible. Just such hope, such joy, such excitement. But Thomas wasn't there. So I'm sure he comes back, and this is when we're picking up our story, in John 20, verse 24. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, which I guess is being better than the are you sure guy. But he's not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and then I place my hand into the wound in his side. Thomas is skeptical. I mean, you know, I get it. Like, this is a massive claim. To say that Jesus is alive would just change everything. And he spent the last three years following this guy, and I'm sure he's felt some confusion, some hurt, some betrayal, as this guy he followed died. So, yeah, I kind of get him being skeptical. And honestly, maybe this is showing a little bit more personality here, but if all of my friends got together and told me the same really hard-to-believe thing, too, like, I might even think it was a sick joke, okay? Um, some of you guys know this, some of you may not, but, like, our staff here, like, we love to have fun together, and uh, especially Adam, Tim, Becca, and I, we love to pull pranks on each other. Um, this has been little things like setting up cereal bars in people's offices when they're not looking and then having the whole staff in there for a snack, thanking Tim without him realizing what's going on. Um, it's been texting Tim's wife um, for a whole week before work so that I can do my very best to match him every single day. Uh, it's been an elaborate triple cross prank with bets attached to it that I didn't even know I was participating in seeing how many lies deep I would go to cover a prank. The answer is nine, by the way. Uh, so if Adam tells me, hey, Reed, I've got something for you in the conference room, like, I'm probably not going to go in the conference room. And then if Tim later in the day asks me, like, hey, did you see that thing in the conference room? Like, I'm not going in the conference room. And so I don't even know. Like, maybe there's some skepticism. Maybe there's some doubt. I have no idea what range of emotions Thomas is experiencing as he has processed his grief and confusion but he said, hey, I'm not, I'm not feeling this. Like, I'm not sure. Prove it. What I do know is that whatever he was experiencing, his doubts were not answered right away. We actually have multiple days pass before anything changes. So when we pick up our story, we keep going. It says eight days later. So that's eight days. Confusion, doubt. The disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. I don't know. Jesus is God. Like, he could teleport. He could walk through walls. He could pick a lock. Like, if you can come back from the dead, you can kind of do what you want to do. So I don't, I don't really know how that happened, but Jesus is there. And we keep going. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me, and blessed are those who believe without seeing me. I love it. Jesus doesn't condemn Thomas for doubting. He doesn't criticize him. He doesn't get on to him. He doesn't say, hey, dude, what the heck? Like, you followed me for three years. I'm gone for three days, and you're out? Like, no, there, there's no criticism. There's no condemnation. He greets him personally, 
right where he is. Like we see, his, we see his compassion in this. I don't know if Thomas actually went and he touched his wounds or not, but I love how he responds. It's my Lord and my God. Like it's personal. Like there's a personal relationship with Jesus that is focused on here. Not just teacher, not just rabbi. No, no, no. My Lord, my God. One of the things that we can learn from Thomas here, his whole experience with doubt, is that Jesus wasn't scared by his doubts. He didn't criticize them. But Jesus met him in his doubts. Jesus can do the same for us. So something we can learn is that God meets us in our doubts. God meets us in our doubts. Sometimes he answers our questions. Sometimes he surrounds us with people who can help carry our burdens, who can help us heal. Sometimes he changes our circumstances. Sometimes he provides a deep peace that doesn't even make emotional sense. God does it in different ways, but he does meet us in our doubts. So because I believe that God meets us in our doubts, the question I really want us to think about is how. How can we navigate our doubts in a way that honors God? Here's the first way. Be honest. All right? Just be honest. Doubt is normal. Like, we all have doubts. Sometimes they're silly, and then sometimes they're terrifying. Like, I doubt that Manchester United, the soccer team that I love, will ever be good again. I think they're just going to suck until the day I die. All right? I also don't really know what the world is going to look like in 50 years, and that really scares me. They can be big, they can be little, but we all experience doubt. Just be honest. Like, life requires faith, and faith invites doubt. Now, I'm not just talking about religion here. I mean any area of life. Like, we have to have faith, regardless of what you believe. It's like maybe you're a follower of Jesus. Like, hey, there's going to be some doubt at times. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're a devout, like, atheist, and you believe, like, no, 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 like, I don't believe there's a creator. I don't believe there's a purpose in life. Like, that requires faith, too. It's a faith that there is not a creator, a faith that there is no purpose. Or maybe, like, no, I don't even care about that. Like, I have faith, but my faith is in my family. My faith's in my wife. It's in my kids. Okay. And that's having a faith that some of those bigger things, these bigger questions don't actually matter. Or maybe you pull the, well, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Okay. So, asking honestly, isn't that saying, like, whether you believe or not that there is a God or a cosmic force, you're just kind of saying, hey, it's not too important if I figure it out? Like, faith is required for life, and faith brings the possibility of doubt. Doubt is normal, so let's just be honest about it. So when you experience doubt, that's a win, just have the courage to be honest. Be honest and identify your questions. What do you really want? Like our boy Thomas, he physically wanted to see Jesus. Like he had something specific. He knew what he was looking for. So think about you. Like where do your questions come from? Where do your doubts come from? Maybe it's intellectual and philosophical questions, right? Like what about the problem of evil and the suffering in the world? How do Christianity and science interact? We did this series as a way to help equip you. Like, that's our heart. We want to answer to the best of our ability these hard questions. We don't want to dodge them. So we've got some resources for them. There's other great resources out there. Maybe your doubts come from intellectual or philosophical questions, but maybe they come from life circumstances that you don't like. Right? Like, maybe your doubts, not God, are you real, but it's, God, how am I supposed to worship you if the life you've given me isn't what I want? Maybe that's a failed marriage. 
Maybe it's an impromptu change of career. Maybe it's illness or loss. It's fair. You can ask that question, but just be honest about what you're really asking God. Be honest and identify your questions. God is big enough. He's not intimidated. He's not scared. He's not threatened. And he already knows your heart. What I would point out is there's actually a difference between an honest question and a smokescreen. An honest question has or could have an answer. A smokescreen is something that we throw up as a diversion. So I would just say this really respectfully. Like, don't say, I don't know if I believe the Bible. If what you honestly mean is, well, I don't like some of the stuff in the Bible. And if it's true, then that would mean I have to change some of how I live or it would bring about some difficult decisions. Um, be honest. Like, don't claim doubt as a way just to stop and not change or not do something. Um, it's okay to doubt. That's fine. But be honest about what your questions really are. And then do the hard work to ask a hard question and do the hard work to find an answer. So let's just be honest. We want to identify our questions. And then how do we ask them? And we want to be humble. We don't know everything. I don't know everything. Uh, I get reminded of that all the time. We are smaller than we like to think we are. I was not there at creation. I was not there when God stretched out the heavens. I was not there when he carved out the caverns of the world. I was not there when he told the sun to split the night open for the very first time. Like, I wasn't there. The whole world is not revolving around Reed Chapman. The whole world is not bending underneath what I want or you. So we want to be humble and recognize that we are not entitled to the answers that we want, but we are invited to ask whatever questions we want to ask. I'm so grateful for that. It's just when we ask, let's be honest, but then let's be humble. Be humble when you ask your questions. Thomas wasn't criticized for asking. He wasn't criticized for doubting. And whenever he got to see Jesus, like there was compassion and there was grace. So with an attitude of humility, once we identify our questions, just ask them. Like, where? How? Well, first place you can ask these is you can ask God through prayer. God knows our hearts, but he still wants to talk to us. That's what prayer is. It's just us talking to God. It's not something super fancy. It's not something super formal. You can say it out loud. You can just think your prayers and thoughts mentally to God. You can write them down. Sometimes that's a cool thing to do because you can look back on it later. But ask God through prayer. Remember, God's not insecure. You can ask him your hardest questions. So ask God through prayer. And sometimes even while you're praying, he's actually going to direct your mind to something he's already said, maybe through a conversation of prayer, but maybe through something he wrote in his word. It's what we call the Bible. It's God's word to us. So we can also ask God through his word. There's some helpful resources out there. Got questions is one. The Version Bible app is another. But if you're thinking about something specific, cool. Ask God. Um, you can ask him through what he's already said. It's consistent. It lines up with itself. You can also ask God's people. This is why it's so helpful, so beneficial to live in community, is that we don't have to do life alone. Like, I think community makes us better at life. And so you can ask God's people. These are people who love Jesus, who love you, who know God and know you both. It's important that they're both of those. They can say, hey, this question, this decision you're looking at, maybe this doubt you're struggling with, hey, this lines up with God, or maybe it doesn't. Or it lines up with what I know to be true about you, or maybe it doesn't. But sometimes God uses his people to encourage us or also point us in the right direction. 
just remember, like, we get to do this. We're not entitled to it, but God still invites it. So we want to be humble when we ask our questions. Let's also just not forget that God's God and we're not. And so sometimes we get an answer and it's not what we were hoping for. The good news is that even if it's not what we expected or what we wanted, like God does still meet us in our doubt. And we still get him. And sometimes that's better than what we're asking for. So when we're honest and we're humble, God meets us in our doubt. And then we need to be ready. We need to be ready to discover more of him. See, Thomas's encounter with God led to a more personal relationship with Jesus. Remember how he responded when he saw Jesus? It's my Lord and my God. We don't have a record of Thomas saying that before this. Like, this is personal. This is my Lord, my God. I love it. Now, history may have given Thomas this nickname, Doubting Thomas, but again, like, that's not in the Bible. And honestly, I don't even think it's that accurate. Uh, Thomas was a man of incredible faith who experienced doubt. We know from historical accounts that after this, Thomas goes on traveling all the way to India, sharing the hope he has in Jesus, and eventually dying for his faith. Like, it takes a lot of confidence to die for something you believe in. So I don't think it's fair to, like, mislabel Thomas as Doubting Thomas. Like, no, I would love to have a faith like Doubting Thomas. Because that's a faith that came from a very personal relationship with Jesus. Thomas got to discover more of God. In my experience... Uh, some of my friends and the people I respect that have the deepest, sweetest faith that inspires me the most are the people who have gone through some of the hardest circumstances and the people who have asked the hardest questions. Like, that can build a deeper faith. Because faith is kind of like a muscle. It can be built. Our muscles are built when we eat right, when we work out, when we're healthy. Um, This is very optional in my lifestyle, but faith can be built the same way. Our faith is worked out when we trust God through life experiences and doubts. And we don't run from God with our doubts or our confusion, but we go to him instead. It starts to build faith like a muscle. It refines it and it makes it stronger. It can build something I call an even-if faith. Even-if faith is a faith that says, God, here are my doubts, here are my questions, here's all my questions. And I want you to change these circumstances. Answer these questions, change these circumstances, rescue me, help me, I'm confused, I'm scared, fill in the blank. We've all been there, and we'll all be there. And even if faith is God, and even if you don't heal the person I love, even if you don't change my job situation, even if you don't change my financial situation, even if I lose what I treasure most, even if I never get to realize my hopes or my dreams, God, I will choose to worship. Like, I will trust you. I've got my doubts. I've got my questions. But God, like, even if, I'm going to follow you. And that even if faith, like, it, uh, it inspires people around us too. Earlier I mentioned that I struggled with doubt when I was 18. And I was really wrestling with some intellectual and philosophical questions. And through facts, friends, and Jesus, I mean, God answered those. And I had confidence I moved on. The other time I struggled with doubt was when I lived in the desert for a couple of years. Like, I'm not trying to be too churchy or, like, metaphorical here. Like, I lived in the desert in South Arizona, 20 minutes north of Mexico, for a couple of years. Those were, without a doubt, the worst years of my life. Um, Wasn't pretty. Struggled with a different kind of doubt when I was there. 
was facing abuse, financial strain, the loss of a job, the loss of a marriage. And so my doubt wasn't an intellectual or philosophical question. It was just looking at God and saying, why? God, why? I never got an answer. I don't have this really satisfying answer I can give you and be like, hey, God met me in my doubt and said this, and then we're good. I don't have that. But I can say that God met me in my doubt, and I got to discover more of him. Like, I got to discover God as enough. But I didn't really have much else. Like, God was enough. And that permanently changed my faith. So God meets us in our doubts. When we let him, he can use our doubts, our questions, to build an even-if kind of faith. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. Is that we would let God meet us in our doubts. We would let him build an even-if kind of faith. This is the kind of faith that changes your life and it changes the life of the people around you. So one that causes people to ask questions, say, hey, why do you have that confidence in life when you're going through X? It's the kind of faith that you can look back on and say, well, I don't know what next week's going to look like, but I know what God did three years ago, so I trust him with next week too. God can build an even-if kind of faith. Sometimes God answers our intellectual questions with facts or research, helping us to logically process, and then we get to love God more with our minds. God can and God does meet us in those doubts. God can and God does meet us in our emotional doubts when we're asking why or how. You don't even know how you can go one more day. God meets you there too. Sometimes that doubt is an invitation to get to know his character more, his goodness, his provision, his kindness, his confidence, his strength. We all have different doubts. They look different in different seasons of life but God will meet you there. So let's just be honest, right? Let's be honest about having doubts. Let's be honest and identify our questions. And let's be humble when we ask them. And let's be ready. Be ready to discover more of God because he does show up. He meets us in our doubts and then it changes our faith. In just a minute, I'm going to pray for us. Um, But after that, we're going to listen to a song together. This is one of my most listened to, no, this is my singular most listened to song from the last few years. I've listened to the song hundreds of times, especially when I was asking God why. The song is called Where Were You by a little band called Ghost Ship. Uh, We're going to put the lyrics on the screen. Uh, My invitation to you is just to think about the story of this song and then to ask God whatever questions you want. Identify your questions and ask him. The song is coming from the book of Job, and it's the story of a man asking God some really hard questions, and then God responding by asking him an even harder one, but then responding with kindness and compassion, the same way God does to us. So my challenge is, hey, we're going to listen to the song together, look at the lyrics, pray through them, ask God whatever questions you have. Just be honest and be humble when you do, and then be ready. I'd like to pray for us. God, you are so much bigger than we are. We were not there, the creation of the world. We do not hold all the answers you do. Honestly, we hold doubts. I do. We all do. Different times, different doubts. So God, we're looking forward to you meeting us in our doubts. We want to ask you our questions. We want to be honest. We trust you. But we also want you to grow our trust. 
So would you help us to experience more of you? That we, we don't have it all figured out. We don't want to fake it. But we do want to be honest. We also want to be humble. You're God, we're not. We are acknowledging that right now. You are God and we're not. But would you show us more of your heart? Would you show us more of your character? Help us to experience more of you. So that as we go through our seasons of doubt, we can come out the other side saying, my Lord and my God. So, God, my Lord, my God, I worship you, we worship you, we trust you. Help us to trust you more. Amen.